0: You have a
1: seat.
0: We're going to hand this to you. All right. Different kind of body scan this morning. As, as we're worshiping together, and I, I see many of you arms in the air or kneeling on the ground, and I'm just loving, pounding on the piano, and Amy's pounding on the drum, I'm thinking, ah, we're worshiping God with our bodies, right? So body scan, where are you feeling worship? Where are you feeling God in your body? Just do a quick check. How was that for your body? Take a second. Anybody willing to say, where did you feel it? Where does it happen in your body to worship? In your heart? Yeah, that spot right there. Yep, yep, me too. Anybody else? Your eyes weeping? Yeah, yeah, somebody else? Say that again.
2: <laughs> but to be fair, I thought
0: that was inside my head. Because <laughs> I leaked leak, to so my call of leaking. I'm
2: like,
0: why am, I, why am I leaking? Why am I leaking? I I say her, I'm
2: like, I'm all the time.
0: I'm yep. Leaking. I'm like, I'm not crying, I'm just leaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, inside my head, I called you a leaker. Go on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um anybody care to share why this feels so good to do any thoughts on that or this or this you know just open it opens you up Leslie? it is the most vulnerable position yes oh thank you that that meant a lot to me trudy i feel like out uh huh uh huh Like reaching up, yeah, reaching out, yeah. An exchange, if you didn't hear that. It feels like an exchange, handing him my stuff. Good, good. Anybody else? Surrender, uh-huh. Yeah. Surrender that leads to freedom, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> sorry, Rachel's laughing at you. <laughs> Keep it in your
2: head,
0: Rachel. Keep it in your head. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> okay, so. <laughs>
0: For a live stream, I just have to repeat what Jennifer said, and I hope i'll do you justice, but Jennifer said I, ha- I just have to move if I wouldn't have been raised in the evangelical tradition. I would have been a dancer, me too <laughs> I agree it's not too late, okay, okay, I trust you um, no dance class yes, yes um. Leslie, I'm struck, your comment about vulnerability, it takes me back to a moment with, that I had with God where I, I realized I couldn't do this. There was something here that was too vulnerable, and I had a moment on a retreat by myself with God in the shower where I was able to do this, and it was, oh, it was so healing. So thank you for saying that. That took me back to a really cool body moment. Laying prostrate on the ground. I mean, you're face down, you have no nothing up, nothing around, you can't see. That's like, I mean, that would be more vulnerable than even standing. Yeah. Yeah. But but I was going to say, too, where I felt it is I always feel
1: it in my torso, which which again is (sighs) this way. My torso is completely vulnerable. Yep, yep, yeah.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for doing that and then sharing that. Yeah. And it's not weird. We pray with our bodies everywhere. It's not weird. That's what we got to learn. Okay. Anybody else? This is way better than my message. So (laughs) awesome. What's that? Receiving. Receiving. So just that posture of being able to receive with our body. Yeah. Yep. Good. Yeah, delight. I was just going to say, when we do this we also open up our, whole our more oxygen. Yep. It's like, it's like a healing sound that Yeah, and so like later we're going to sing, you know, it's it's your breath in our lungs. So we're actually we're doing that, right? Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. Um let me revisit uh, unho- unholy agreements. We're going to kind of keep, you know, coming back to this idea of agreements. Um, especially tonight, but um, I'll just share one of mine that we were talking about in our room last night. Uh, My sister, Mickey's here, um, and uh, she and some other gals were just hanging out, and we were talking about our upbringing in our home, in our evangelical home, um, where modesty was of utmost value. And I will say it up front, I believe modesty is of high value, so don't hear me wrong there. But we were just (laughs) recounting our stories of what modesty was like in our home. And I had forgotten that we weren't allowed to wear shorts to school. We weren't allowed to, like, show our legs, even. Um, And so Mickey, so I was the rule follower, and Mickey was not. Um, (laughs) And um, I'm kind of jealous, actually, now looking back. Um, But she would, like, pack shorts in her backpack, and then change at school. Okay. Because shorts were not, it wasn't okay to show your legs. And I was recalling that bikinis are evil. Did you know that bikinis are evil? Did did you know that? Okay. Yeah. And so I would, I would actually see somebody my age in a bikini and I went to straight to judgment. Like what is wrong with them? What is wrong with their mother? That she would let them wear a bikini, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, and uh, I was at a, years ago, I was at a bachelorette party um, for one of my sister-in-laws and she has some cousins on her side who are tall, large, beautiful women um, who carry themselves with such beautiful confidence. And I, I, just, I, I just love the way they bring themselves to the world. And so we're, we're at a pool um, one day and they are in full-on bikinis. These are tall, big women full-on bikinis, going down the slide, having their time of their life, and here I am, like all covered up, and I'm like, wait a minute, I think I'm missing something here. (laughs) They're having so much fun, they're free, they are not thinking about their bodies at all, other than let's have a great time, and so anyway, modesty. What I'm realizing, the unholy agreement that I made, because I believe that this Modesty, in our family, the high value came from a place of fear, strong fear, rather than respect and honor. Um, The unholy agreement that I've written is that my body is dangerous. Okay, If I show certain parts of my body, that's dangerous. That's a fear-based agreement. Now, modesty, because I love this body, I respect it, It is to be honored, it is sacred, and I love you, and I love anybody I come in contact with, and so what I wear is important, right? For my interactions with other humans, that's a holy agreement, okay? See the difference? And so we get to just keep confronting, um, not just the agreement, but the the, the motive underneath it, okay? Is it fear-based or is it holy, so we're going to come back to this again, especially tonight, but just kind of keep thinking about it, keep talking about it, um, because I believe that Jesus has some other agreements for us to make. All right, this book, Garden Here, Garden Here, um, our God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who brings to us his presence, and who brings to us a freedom from shame, what I want to do is I want to pop in on life outside of the garden, a story here that gives us a snapshot of how God does this, okay? So this is story time. Uh, This is a story about a woman um, who lived in a place called Samaria. This is a woman who had been five times divorced and is now living with a man who's not her husband, Now we don't have any details about how that went down or why that went down in the text, but we do have some historical and cultural wisdom that would tell us that she actually is not a serial divorcee. Because in that time and place, women couldn't get divorces, only men could. And for any number of reasons, if their wife had a physical abnormality, if she couldn't bear children, He could divorce her. So five times divorced, not by her choice, because she didn't have that choice. And most likely because of something that would have been shameful for her in her body. This is the woman who then goes to a well one day. And she chooses an uncommon time of day to go to the well. The other women aren't going to be there. Okay, shame isolates, right? She gets to the well, there's a man there that is quite unusual. (laughs) This man is Jewish, that is very unusual, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. This man begins to talk to her. That is highly unusual. And she says to him, you are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Then this man engages her in a very significant, meaningful conversation. This is shockingly unusual because Jewish men are trained not to talk to women. (laughs) That could be tempting or the appearance of sin but then the most unusual thing happens because this man seems to know about her. Things there's no way he would know. He doesn't live in her community. He's never met her. He's just passing through. He knows things about her. He knows her entire difficult, shameful story, and yet here he sits with He is defying all cultural and religious norms. He's breaking rules just to be there. And here this man sits, unashamed, in her presence. Her story laid out. It is naked. It is bare. No hiding, no covering up. She walks into his presence, naked, so to speak, (laughs) and she leaves his presence unashamed. How do we know? Because this same woman who comes to a well at a a weird time of day to avoid people, immediately after this encounter, she goes and finds her people, and she tells them, come, see a man who knows everything about me. You hear it? The shame broke because she encountered this man. This man is our Jesus, Jesus, the one who shows up in her story, the real, the raw, the naked story. He knew what had happened to her body. He knew what had happened with her body, and he's breaking every rule, every cultural, familial, religious agreement that's been made and that should keep him away from her, He unashamedly seeks her out and sits with her in the nakedness of her story. He scorns shame, he disarms shame, and this is what Jesus does. So ladies, Jesus is present in every part of our stories. Our childhood home growing up. Our middle middle school crushes and crises. Our experiences with dating. Jesus is in every part of our story, in the complexities of our marriages, our divorces, our singleness. He's in our sexual history, our sexual traumas. Every part of our story. He breaks every rule, every unholy agreement, in order to be with us in those very places. And the result is the breaking of shame. Come see a man who knows everything about me. How does that sit with you? Check in. (laughs) Is there a sense of relief? Maybe a sense of panic? (laughs) Oh, every part of my story? Don't just check in with your brain, check in with your body too. How does that feel? And you might be running the gamut (laughs) all over the place, but can you imagine how this woman must have felt when she walks to, to the well and there's a man? She probably felt unsafe at first. Can you imagine how vulnerable she felt when he starts to talk about her story? Can you imagine? She might have even felt dirty as he is laying out the roadmap of her relational and sexual history. She might have felt fear. What is he going to do with this information? Will I be rejected, abused again by another man And yet something made her stay. And thank God that she did, because she got to taste the reality of the perfect love that casts out all fear. She got to experience the garden life in the presence of Jesus, naked and unashamed. Because that's what Jesus does. He offers us the safe place, a safe space. And so today, we're going to do a variety of things um, that will help us to enter into this kind of space with Jesus in every part of our stories. I'm going to talk a little bit more about what it might look like to get curious with Jesus about our stories. Um, and Brandy, would this be an okay time for you to help us um, kind of learn how to do safe space? Yeah. Yeah come on up yep I would love that um recognizing that it's not always easy to know how to feel safe with Jesus um I think we all like the idea but then practically speaking there's things that could keep us from that is that fair to say Brandy
3: us from those safe spaces. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, 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 or knowing how, yeah, knowing how to enter into it. So Brandy Ratsoff here is a licensed therapist um, and you'll get to meet her a little bit more later as well, but I asked her to just lead us in an exercise called safe space today. So take it away.
3: This is just um, a visualization. We
0: employ some
3: tapping um, which seems a little weird um, but it's actually helping make connections in your brain so it can help relax you in a more deep way but it helps just center us um, Laura has led us in a bunch of body scans um, some visualizations already so I think you guys are primed and ready to go um, the hard part is going to be holding a microphone and tapping so I'll just show you how you do the tapping and then I'll stop the tapping so I can actually hold the thing that Um, It's just a grounding exercise, so let's just start with a deep breath. And even in our breathing, the inhale and the exhale, having that exhale be longer than the inhale helps engage our parasympathetic nervous system, help relax. So in and out even longer. And then you create a safe space in your head. It can be someplace that you've been. It can be someplace you long to go. It could be pure whimsical um, with unicorns and fairies, whatever feels safe to you. Um, And sometimes it helps to close your eyes um, to be able to imagine that space. Sometimes that's uncomfortable for people. So you can look at the floor, look outside, if you have a window by you and just create um, a safe space in your mind. Oftentimes, people use beaches or mountains or maybe a cozy bedroom setting. Um, And then we start the tapping. Sorry, I should probably have explained that before you closed your eyes. (laughs) You can either tap your knees, or you can do the butterfly hold like this if it feels a little more comfortable, and tap your shoulders. And it's important to do the left, right, left, right, and not the same time. Um, So just tap while we do this. Now you can close your eyes. So create your space. And then just scan that space. Notice the atmosphere. If you're outside, maybe you choose the season, the weather, the time of day. If you're inside. Maybe it's the temperature, the lighting. Just notice the atmosphere. And then as you continue scanning that space, notice the objects and the colors that you see around you. Keep that deep breathing going. And then notice the sounds that you hear in that space. You can tune into them one by one. And then begin to notice what you might smell in that space or taste. Sometimes it's fun to bring your favorite drink with you. Cup of tea. And then notice what you pick up with your sense of touch. Notice your posture in that place if you're standing, moving, sitting, lying down. What are the surfaces around you? Are they hard or soft? Do you feel light or breezes on your skin? Anything you would pick up with your sense of touch. Continue with that deep breathing. And then bring all of those together, what you see and hear and smell and taste and feel. And then if Jesus is safe for you today, then you can invite his presence to be there with you. And notice the effect of that in your body, soul, and spirit. And perhaps he has a word for you today, or a posture towards you. You can invite him to speak that over you, or show you. And then when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back into this space. This is just used as a regulator for our mind, body, and soul. Um, the things that we're talking about today could be a little activating for some. Um, Laura has made sure that we know how to scan our bodies. So if you notice anything kind of stirring or um, if feeling that agitation rise, you can just tap on your knees, do that deep breathing, ground yourself in that space, and just create a safe environment for yourself. Thanks, Brittany.
0: perfect setup for the next thing I want to talk about, about how we invite and notice Jesus in every part of our story so that he can bring a healing where needed, a word of truth where needed, a deepening of his love where needed. And so what I want to talk about today, and then we're going to do more with journaling with this, is The concept of curiosity, curiosity with Jesus. I am taking this idea from a book that I just uh, recently read that I highly recommend. It's called Unwanted. It's by Jay Springer, and it's actually, you've got a resource page in your packet that has this listed, so... um, This is a book about our unwanted sexual struggles and temptations. And what I love about this author's approach is that he is not giving us a behavior management plan or strategy. He is actually suggesting curiosity as the pathway to healing. Curiosity as the pathway to healing. Um, The idea is that true healing for our bodies can only come when we get curious about why we are struggling, and what is underneath it all. That when we dig deep enough, underneath the struggle, we actually encounter something that God meant for good. The God of the garden, his essence there, and this just got twisted, wounded, and abused along the way. So let's take the topic of sex specifically, and let's kind of go into this curiosity mode. And you might say, oh my gosh, curiosity about sex. Wait, 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 danger, danger. (laughs) Okay, so let's just recognize that we've got a bit of a pendulum swing that we're dealing with culturally and religiously. Okay, so on this end, I would say, yeah, Okay, if we ever get curious about sex, it's only gonna lead to a bad place of danger, sin, what, you name it, right? Okay, so danger zone over here, but then we swing all the way over here and we go, culturally we hear, oh, curiosity about sex, yeah, that's my right, that's my privilege, there should be no boundaries at all around sex and sexuality. Curiosity is the thing, right? So could there be a, a, a different way than these two? And I'm not even gonna call it middle because God is bigger than a middle space, okay? Higher, deeper, wider, longer, okay? It's not the middle. It's a space with God where we get to be curious about our sexuality because he designed it, okay? He made erotic pleasure. He gifted us with this way of connecting and this beauty with our bodies. So we get to be curious with Him, it's not dangerous there. Amen, anybody? Okay, but do you ever just scratch your head and just wonder like why is sex, sexuality so complicated, messy, difficult? And it's not just here in my body, it's our daughters, our friends, our community, our culture. It's so messy and complicated. Why, God, (laughs) if you meant this to be so beautiful? What's going on? Melissa, will you put this quote up from Jay Springer? Um, Here's what he says. Evil hates the beauty of sex, and because it cannot abolish its existence, it works to corrupt its essence. And couldn't we put in that sentence, in the place of sex, a lot of different things, many of life's pleasures, right? Evil hates the beauty of food. Evil hates the beauty of dancing. (laughs) Um, Any number of things we put into that sentence and see how evil works to corrupt. Here's another comment from Jay Springer once again. It's a little bit longer. Quote The kingdom of darkness is extremely clever, maniacally focused on efficiency. It's been scheming longer than any human empire to mar the things that most reveal God. It wants to destroy the rainforest, promote systems of greed, and pit nations against one another in killing sprees. But worst of all, it wants to destroy our bodies to mar the very qualities that make us most like God, our beauty, our ability to give and receive pleasure, and our desire to know and be known. So what do we do with this reality of evil? Is it simply our fate until we get to the restored Eden? I would say both yes and no that until Jesus returns, evil isn't going anywhere. But the good news of Jesus Christ is called good news for a reason. And once again, the God of the garden is with us in our everyday lives, longing to bring us freedom from shame. So we get to be curious with Jesus. Another note about curiosity um, this is uh, an important tool for, for us because our places of pain and struggle are not random. They are directly connected to our stories. And in the quest of curiosity and in the presence of Jesus, our goal is to study the conditions that led to our brokenness, reducing their power in our lives today. So let's get curious about our sexual desires why do I read the books that I read with the romance and the sex scenes? What, what kinds of sexual fantasies do I go back to again and again? They're not random. There's a reason to be found somewhere in my story. I go to those places seeking some sort of unmet satisfaction. When we get curious, we have the chance to discover that underneath our hidden desires lie the holy desire to be filled, to belong, to be known, to be loved. Let's get curious about our lack of desire, our reactions, our triggers, why we love to be touched, why we hate to be touched. Let's get curious about our cravings. Let's get curious about why we hate certain parts of our bodies. It's not random. It's connected to our story. Let's get curious about our relationship with food. Why do I need that bowl of ice cream at 10 o'clock almost every night? Tillamook, chocolate peanut butter, anybody? (laughs) Yes? Uh Uh, Let's get curious about why I need a glass of wine every night in order to unwind, or two, or three. When we get curious in the presence of Jesus, he has the chance to show us the holy desire that is being hijacked by the evil one. And C.S. Lewis puts it this way, goodness is, so to speak, itself. Badness is only spoiled goodness. There must be something good first before it can be spoiled. So instead of our hiding, our avoiding, our pretending, we get to sit in the presence of our Jesus in the safe space. We get to ask curiosity questions Jesus, where and when did this get twisted in my life and in my body? And what is the good that lies underneath? These are the questions we get. Ask our Jesus. And so I'm going to give you some journal prompts that we're going to go to a little bit later. But before we do that, I've got two people who are willing to share a little bit of their story of curiosity with Jesus, um, taking some body struggles to Jesus, um, and receiving some healing. So, Amy and Rachel, would you join me up here? We're going to do a little bit of interview style. I'm going to start with Amy. So sit
2: down? No. Uh, I mean, I,
0: you can't. You can do whatever you want.
2: Okay. Yeah,
0: I'm definitely sitting down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, thanks for doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, can you just describe some of the struggles that you've had with your mm-hmm. body over the years yeah. and then talk about curiosity with Jesus? Mm-hmm. And I might ask you some questions along the way, but just okay. go for it.
4: Um, so I struggled really early on, like around four years old, with my gender identity. Um, I have no idea why. It just kind of started. And I started telling my parents, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. Um, and they thought it was really like kind of funny um, and innocent. Um, but it just continued. It didn't really stop. And so I started dressing in boys' clothes and getting my hair cut really short. Um, and as I got older and just like developing, I hated my body um, and tried to hide hide it. So I would wear baggy clothes. Um, even in the summertime, I would wear like three shirts at a time just to hide my figure. Um, so I just really hated mm-hmm. my body. But at the same time, um, internally, I knew, I knew that I was a girl. I knew that God made me a girl, but I just didn't feel comfortable in my own skin and thought there was just something wrong with me. Um, So I struggled with that for my childhood and teenage years. Um, And when I was about 21 or 22, I was going to robbery Merce Church um, back in Massachusetts. And I met with a couple of pastors because I just felt so much shame um, for my past. And I'd started wearing women's clothes, but it just didn't feel comfortable. It just felt weird still. And I thought that I just looked weird. Mm. Um, So I was just hoping they could help and thought maybe it's maybe I need deliverance. I don't really know. Mm. Um, So I met with them. And the whole time I told them about my struggle, I just sobbed the entire time because I felt so much shame over it. Um, And they actually cried with me. Mm. Um, And they asked, one of the pastors said, do you have a, a painful memory that's coming to mind right now? And I was bullied really bad all through school. Um, Kids thought that I was gay, and so they started rumors about that too. And I would get laughed at like repeatedly in front of people, um, in front of kids constantly. So that was just like a normal part of my life. Um, And I said, yeah, I do. And the memory that was replaying in my head was being in an auditorium filled with kids, um, like my whole junior high, and I got called up um, to help with some kind of presentation and he asked me my name. I said Amy and he said, do you mean Jamie? And I was like, no, it's Amy, but that's a girl's name. And I was like, I am a girl. Mm -hmm. Um, This is like on the microphone in front of everybody. So like the whole place just erupted with laughter and I kind of just like slunk back to my seat and didn't want (laughs) to participate. So anyways, that's playing in my mind and the pastor just said, "Um, Jesus wants to meet you there today, and I was like, I have no idea what that means, but she had me just close my eyes, and she said, okay, um, ask the Holy Spirit to show you Jesus. Ask where he is, and so I'm seeing the memory play again, um, but this time, I see a light in the back of the room, and I I see it's Jesus as he walks closer, and as he walks closer, all the laughter stops and Everybody disappears until it's just me and him. And in that moment, I felt like completely naked in front of him. Um, He looked me straight in the eyes and he just said, I love you. Like, I see you and I love you. And it was like he could see me in that moment, but he could see through me to who he created me to be. So it was like a moment of feeling completely naked. Um, And then that changed everything for me without even really knowing what happened, it just started to change the way that I saw myself, the way I would even dress or treat my body. Um, And I had more moments like that with Jesus after. Um, And basically he showed me that what was underneath it was me believing that I was a damaged girl, um, that he made me wrong. And so having that become revealed through my healing journey, it just
0: started to completely change, change me. It strikes me how brave it was of you to go to other people um, to seek healing. Um, did that feel like a brave moment, a scary moment? What, what moved you there? I was definitely really scared,
4: um, and I hate crying in front of people. So um, I just felt like I was, I didn't know what else to do. I just felt so frustrated, like I can't change. Like I've tried everything. Mm-hmm. I even like, I wasn't dressing in certain clothes I tried dressing in those clothes and it just wasn't working and so I just was kind of like I don't know what else to do like I just need help
0: yeah
4: I just need help with it yeah Um, and I brought some friends of mine into the process as well and they were a part of my healing process too Um, and even when I started to heal they would take me out shopping they knew how hard it was for me to go shopping and it would trigger stuff and I had a friend who would take me out and she would just be like my source of peace. And also like, hey, you could try that on and it would look really good on you. Mm -hmm. And I would never think to try it on. Um, Yeah. So yeah, just brought community into it too. Yeah,
0: so may we be such a loving community that would sit with each other and cry or go shopping or, you know, do the journey together. Um, It's really beautiful. Thanks also for being brave to share it with us. Can you thank Amy? Okay, Rach. What's it been like for you to get curious with Jesus about healing in your body?
2: Horrible. Okay, good. Tell us more. More words. Yeah, it was just horrible. Um, (laughs) About... Four, five women retreats ago. Mm-hmm. This is so weird. This is like so full circle weird. Is it? Yeah. Good, good. good. Um, like you think that, that God has a purpose for stuff and this is weird. Um, I became a believer. I had one, I had like a little midlife Jesus. And so I became a believer and my husband was not. And so I kind of became this crazy Jesus freak and my husband wasn't. And um, through the course of that, God made me aware of some patterns in our marriage that I had known about for a long time. But um, outside of being a believer, I, I changed the accountability because God is like that. And so I went to my husband and I said that <clears throat> that, that pattern of behavior was not going to be acceptable to me. That it, we would, it would change our marriage. Um, because God was calling me to a different standard. Um, and that was really hard. That was really hard. I've been married for 29 years. So we were married about 24 at the time. So we had a long-standing, successful pattern of uh, being married. But God was just calling us to something really deep. And um, so I just I just confronted my husband. And I, I, I basically said that... I don't know how you're gonna do this without God, but I'm not asking you to bring God in. I'm just telling you that I'm a Christ follower and these are the standards that we have for marriage and I won't break them. So um, that's when the journey began. Um, That was on Wednesday and I went to my first women's retreat on Friday. And I told God on the way to Women's Retreat, I am not dealing with this here. <laughs> I, I tell God a bunch of stuff. Yeah. He never listens to me. He never listens. Um, but I boss him around all the time. <laughs> um, thank God he doesn't listen. Um, I know. Thank you. Thank you. I know. That was funny. Um, so <laughs> so I um, had little snippets of, of messages about this from him. And I was just continuous like, Remember? No? Thank you. Um, And it was the last bit of worship. And um, we were singing, um, what a beautiful name. And I just got this picture of a boat with a lot of men on it. Like so many men, you couldn't see your husband, but you just knew he was there. And Jesus was like standing outside on the water. He's, He's good like that. And he just was saying, like calling them out. And he just told me, I'm going to get your husband. We're going to go get him. And we're going to do this together. And then he put every bit of the armor of Ephesians on me. I could hear it. Click. Thunk. The weight. And he said, we're going to do this together. Don't ever leave me behind. Always remember the beloved daughter you are. Never become the butthurt wife, because it's a choice, right? There were days when I became the butthurt wife, and they were horrible. They were lonely, they were sad, and they were hopeless. But when I came back on my knees and I remembered, oh, I'm the beloved. I'm the chosen. Not one thing he can do will change how my father feels about me. Not one single way that anybody else looked at my marriage could change the way that God felt about me. I came home. We started Life Path. He came to Life Path. That very meeting that I told you about, Anna, was why I went to Life Path at that time. My husband is one of the best Christ followers that I know. He serves faithfully every Tuesday night in a men's group and leads it. He mentors men. He sits with them in the hardest conversations. He deals with the worst shame that you could think of. Every Tuesday night, every day his office is filled with worship music. Through that sin and shame in our family, God redeemed us completely. We are wholeheartedly a couple united in Christ's fall. Are you asking me questions? <laughs> I oh, will pause for my question. <laughs> I'm just here for entertainment. <laughs> That's all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I actually was going to ask you um, to pray for our homes and our husbands.
2: Before I do that, I want to let you know that, um, that I lead a Wednesday night, a Tuesday night group as well. It's called Women in Pain. It's for women who suffer from sexual integrity issues in their marriage. I want every woman at Salem Alliance to know that this group exists. Maybe not for you, but for somebody else. It's a place to come. It's a place to have community. We are actually in the middle of unwanted ourselves so that we can understand our unwanted sexual behavior and slash behaviors. So um, it's at 6.30 to 8, Broadway Commons, fourth floor, in the whatever room named after some random place in around Salem. <laughs> Silverton, or Staten Room, or Dallas Aquatic Center, I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're right there by the upper room, so please come. <laughs> it or please recommend it if you meet with a friend and they're and they're having those issues just recommend it it's a it's a safe place um so okay i guess i'll will you pray but you all, i'm i'm giving you um like 3 minutes okay to pray
0: yeah well, i want all. i want you to pray for our families our husbands our homes
2: i'm not telling you what to do i'm just suggesting you are telling me what to do which is ironic because you hate to be told what I to know. do <laughs> pray That's what you get for inviting your best friend up. (laughs) Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on us. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on my husband. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on every woman in this room. Father God, I enter into this prayer with a heart of gratitude. I lift you up as the holy sovereign healer. Thank you for everything you've done in my heart and my husband's heart. Father God, I pray for every man who is struggling with a pornography addiction. Every man that lies about where he's been, about what he's doing, every rot in the soul that that causes. Father God, I pray for every wife that knows in her heart that she's got a sexual integrity issue and is not brave enough to talk about it with somebody. That they look at their bodies, that they're not adequate. They say, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not funny enough. Father God, I ask that the enough be removed from the words that they are worthy, that they are the beloved that they are sacred in a way that the husband and any other man cannot see. Father God, I pray for every young woman's uterus right now, that it stays intact, that it remains holy and sacred, that they know the value and sacredness of their body and reproductive organs. Father God, I weep and pray for all of those women who are in the sex trafficking and sex trade industry, those who were poor, those who were sexually molested as children, those who were neglected by fathers and mothers that end up on poles and street corners. I pray for them. I pray for all of the unwanted sexual behavior that comes out and birth from sin. I ask that Father come down as he did for us and redeem that he heal that he remember and remind us that he removes shame that he removes silence and secrecy and guilt that he removes unwanted behavior when we bring him into the conversation I ask that my group is not the only one in Salem I ask that many women's groups pop up to give us support I ask that men are willing to go and seek support in their own groups. I ask for a union of marriages, Father God, for people to be willing to be broken together so that they can be whole in front of you. And I ask that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Yeah, thanks, Rachel. And thanks... Um Rachel, for modeling for us how our our bodies aren't just our own, right? Others are involved with our bodies. And if we're married, our husbands. And Rachel models well how to talk about her home and honor her husband at the same time. And I've seen her do it again and again and again. So thank you. Okay, deep breath. (laughs) How are we doing? good news for you is that we've got some solitude time, and so you get to hang out with Jesus. Um, and I have given you um, some journal prompts that I would love for you to use, and if, it, if they are not where you're at, and you start looking at this and you go, nope, not ready, don't use it, okay? Okay. Um, I do want you to look at the packet so I can kind of show you what we've got. So, on the page that says Saturday morning session, Jesus in our stories, that is where we're at. Um, journal part two. And the journaling is uh, let's see, it goes to the next page and the next page, okay? So, once again, just take it as your mind, your body, and your heart Need it or don't. The page after that, we also included the safe space exercise that Brandy taught us. So you may also or just want to use that for your time and just hang out in that safe space. All right, so these are kind of your tools, your options. Um, We're giving you a whole hour to take what has been shared, what has been stirred on your own, and we do ask that this be on your own, okay? Would you protect this time, Um, protect each other from conversation or chit-chat, but find a space. You're welcome to stay here. You're welcome to go back to your room. You're welcome to walk in the rain if you like that. Um, Wherever you want to go for the next hour, would you uh, make sure to be back here at 11 20. That's when we resume in here. Jennifer, what am I missing?
1: You're not missing anything. Can I take five minutes before we send them out? Yes, please. Thanks. So, um, as Brandy, and I apologize, I'm just taking about five minutes of your hour of solitude, but um, uh, Brandy, thank you. Brandy there, hi, sorry, masks focusing. Uh, Thank you for the um, exercise of a safe place. And as Brandy was leading us through that, I was reminded of an experience that I've had that I think might just give one more perspective Um, to think through because some of these things are new and I think it's helpful to have a few different angles to look at things from as we do this. And so, uh, Brandy's safe space reminded me of a concept I learned last year called the terrain of freedom. A space where we feel completely free. And so I want to give you my picture that's a crossover between my safe space and my terrain of freedom, just as an example of another, just another view at what this looks like to have a place internally where we can connect with God and have that place where there is a cleansing and a releasing and a, um, even the coming down of our heartbeat kind of a space. So For me, I was in a time of prayer, and this picture came to my mind that was just a completely and totally empty beach, and no one else was there except for me and the Trinity, and for me, that was um, father, but also mother, so um, theologically for me, uh, father, mother are one part of the trinity because it takes both male and female to reflect God. Remember in Genesis he said, it is not good for man to be alone. And then he said, He in God's image he created them, male and female he created them. It takes both male and female to reflect the fullness of God's image. So for me, there is a nurturing, um, tender, bringing the snacks, watching out to make sure I'm not getting sunburn presents. <laughs> and a protective, um, often holding me in his lap, strong presence that is um, Father. And then I've got um, Jesus, who is brother, which is a long story, but, um, but just a person in my life who is male, who is not threatening, who is not awkward, who is not, I'm not trying to figure out what my relationship is to him. He just understands me. He gets me. He grew up in the same family of origin as I did. And so he knows all my stuff and he absolutely loves being with me. So in my safe space, Jesus is an adoring older brother who just doesn't think I could do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. and he loves being with me and it's a healing space for me Mm -hmm. and and Holy Spirit is my best friend because I always grew up wishing that I had a best friend I saw all these girls who had besties and I never had a bestie and so in my terrain of freedom Holy Spirit is my bestie and Holy Spirit chooses me Holy Spirit wants to be with me, loves to be with me, loves to crack jokes with me, loves to play with me. And then I realized something else that was super important in this space, and it was that nobody else was there because of my body. Because I was on a beach and I was in a swimsuit, and if anybody else was there, then I was paying attention to who's noticing and what's the angle, and am I covered up, and am I not, and am I, and to be there alone with Trinity, who had zero judgment coming at me, I had this moment of, even even not if it's about my body, but like when you're on the beach and just the etiquette, like don't shake your towel where the sand's gonna get on somebody else. Like there was nothing I could do wrong in this space. That was so incredibly important for me to realize that there was a space that I was in, that the who I was with and where I was at and who else was there meant that nothing I could do would be wrong in that space. So as you spend this time, just another picture, another angle, an invitation to sit with God, to be present, that maybe he could build a space for you where there's nothing you can do wrong and you actually just get to be you and be present in healing spaces. So, Mm -hmm. okay. Now I think you're
0: dismissed. Thank you. Yes. 11.20. We'll see you back here.